stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! And as the actress said to the bishop, well, that was a waste of 80 minutes. Welcome to Motorsport 101. Hello and welcome to episode 102 of Motorsport 101. Filling in for the absent head honcho Andre Harrison, I am RJ O'Connell. I'm joined from beautiful New York City by Mr. Ryan Eric King. Ryan, how are you doing today, buddy? Doing great, doing great. A lot less rainy than yesterday. Mm, mm, I see they're not not enjoying any of that wonderful uh, English weather that we're having. Um <laughs> Zoe Hamilton is also joining us from uh, from the land of uh, from from Scotland. Wait, <laughs> from Scotland. I shall think it may have stopped raining from there, but it was raining earlier. <laughs> Wonderful. I think um, is 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 just like idle discussion about the weather, just like the ultimate form of small talk. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think it's like undisputed. It's like it's like the Ayrton Senna of <laughs> useless small talk. That or the, how long the queue is. Oh my goodness, that that might actually be just like the Schumacher of small town. <laughs> the, the, the Schumacher of small town. Because you know it wouldn't it wouldn't be so successful if you know it didn't have such a if it didn't it wasn't already blessed with like the best circumstances. <laughs> yes. And I am R.J. O'Connell, joining you from Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, where where champions race. Champions such as Jensen Button, who was going to yes. do the triathlon here. Uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, home of the Ironman World Championship. Jensen's coming to my city. He's going to do some running, some jogging, some swimming, a little bit of bike riding. we got a lot of bike trails around here. Oh, my goodness. Downtown Chattanooga is getting so horrifically gentrified. <laughs> I mean, we still got a ways to go before we catch up to Brooklyn in that regard, but that's fine. Yeah, Brooklyn's getting a streetcar. That is like that is peak. Like, <laughs> oh no wonder my friend Scott wants everybody out of there. Anyway, anyway, um, so yes, welcome. Dre will be back and joining us on the next episode of Motorsport 101 and on the upcoming episodes of Bike Live, which you can listen to by following motorsport 101 on soundcloud and on itunes you can subscribe to our podcast and get both shows places to find us include motor youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101 we are on facebook we are on twitter at motorsport underscore 101 if you want to support the show financially you can back us on patreon at patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 and if for some perverse reason you would like to follow our personal accounts we are at Ryan Eric King with two K's, at RJ O'Connell with two N's and two L's, and at Wee Zoe with two E's and two E's. <laughs> and having uh, having gotten our uh, having gotten our little housekeeping and formalities out of the way, let's get cracking. Uh, let's keep one oh one, shall we?
Folks, we ain't got much to talk about. It's Labor Day. Uh, for years. I got paid two and a half. I got paid two and a half times my normal wage for being willing to come in on Labor Day as one of only like four people on my team that showed up. <laughs> it's okay. At least it started off slow before it really got picked up. Uh, Zoe, tell us about um, Damien Power. Yes, so he was doing the fringe for the second time. Uh, he'd done it two years ago as part of the free fringe where he was kind of testing the waters. This year he came with his show um, Utopia now in 3D for the, the full duration of the, the fringe. Um, it's already won awards in Australia and I believe it's going down to London for like two days only at the end of September. Mm. Are you going to be able to make it down there? No. Besides, I think I've already, mm. he's already kind of clocked me as the stalker of... <laughs> 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 Damien Power, of course, the uh, the brother of uh, IndyCar racer Will, and we'll talk about his adventures and what he needs to do in order to bring home a title back to Toowoomba! Which has already had a race named after him. Toowoomba! If you listen to the Mayor on Air. Oh, that's fucking brilliant. Yeah. That is that is absolutely <laughs> brilliant, y'all. Um, did uh, did Damien have some uh, particularly good bits slash jokes or stories to talk about? Well, he, he he's one of these ones who's the very sort of philosophical comedian. It's very much we. You look at your 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 goals in two D. When really you should be looking at it in three D with like the consequences of what happens when you try to go over your goals. And there's a lot of humor through it. And Will does come up. Which I was the first and apparently the only person to cheer. And the put mention of Will. <laughs> which, considering that race had, that had been on the that morning at 2am, where I basically stayed up to 2am, watched Will crash and went, Should I stay up? <laughs> Yes, Marco's still in. We'll see how he does. And Marco decided to be Marco and pretty much spend the entire time at the back. Zoe, I appreciate your dedication to somebody that I don't think a lot of people want to get behind, whether it's because of nepotism perceived or real, whether it's because of like not wanting to back somebody who may not be in the right form. But but you stick with Marco, and I greatly appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Like, like... For a lot of people, when they want to get behind Marco Andretti, it's in, like, the Paul Tracy they want to get in the back seat of Marco's Uber and then go to their destination. He was... He still... If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be sitting here right now on this podcast. Yeah. Because I wouldn't have discovered IndyCar. And I probably would have given up on F1. Thank you very much, Marco, for bringing us all together. <laughs> you, are, you are the true MVP of this <laughs> season. But yes, I, I words at the mention of Will, and he went, oh, you know who he is? I went, yes, I sat up, and he went, yeah, he didn't do well last night, to which someone else in the audience went, um, do you want to fill the rest of us in? <laughs> oh, oh did, he, did, he, How... did he mention that he crashed literally on the first corner? But yeah, but I don't think we, we just sort of went, yeah, he had a bad race and it was kind of, he crashed. 
We can't really take go on beyond that. And nah, should have should should have mentioned he crashed literally on the first corner. To be fair, at that point I pretty much been up uh, well over thirty odd hours. <laughs> no. <laughs> Why would you do that to yourself? Because I didn't want to be on an overcrowded train to Edinburgh, which meant I had to be up early to get into town to, into Glasgow and get an early train. <laughs> Rather wait on the train from where I stay, which would have been worse. <laughs> Okay, can I just uh, can I just point out for a second and not to derail? Like, um, for some reason, um, former deputy editor, now F one and Asia correspondent uh, contributor Sam Collins of Race Car Engineering Magazine follows me on Twitter and now and has now been ribbing me every time I oversleep through a Formula One race. <laughs> <laughs> it's now gotten to the point where he now believes that this is like a common problem. And in fairness, this actually is a common problem. Like, my sleep schedule has taken so many L's lately. But, I mean, that's, like, an America problem. Mm-hmm. Like, like, there are times when I'm just not excited for a race weekend, and I was like, I make, like, I try, but then it's like, I probably wake up during the middle of the race, or pretty much, like, right after it ends. Yeah, in fairness, this, uh, this actually worked to my advantage. Um, and we'll talk about that here shortly. Um... King, today is uh, it's it's uh, it's time. It's time for America's sport to come back. Yes, it is. It is the opening day, if you will, for the American football season. More importantly, college football. Welcome to college football Saturday, like clockwork, every week <laughs> from John Boys' Twitter. It doesn't. It could be. It could be a Saturday in July. <laughs> Say those five words, and I'm yours. Welcome <laughs> to College Football Saturday. Um, the number one and the number three ranked teams in the country played each other, and it went about as well as you expect with the boring, overpowered juggernaut eventually smothering their opposition in the second half of the game after their underdog opponent uh, kind of coughed away all their chances. Mm, they also suffered a season-ending injury for their quarterback. Oh my God! With the, with the like the most wonderful tweet that that I've seen. The have you seen the Plan B tweet? No, no, I haven't. <laughs> Where? Uh, oh, let me find it. Because one, Josette Torres, uh, friend of the show, someone who, someone who also, you know rights for Virginia Tech's football program. I believe that's top five, top 25 uh, ACC program Virginia Tech. Yes, yes, we have to mention that, but uh, mention that uh, ESPN put out a headline saying that uh, Florida State's looking for a plan B after they lost their quarterback for the season, and then this writer replies that, oh, you can easily find plan B at any CVS, Walgreens, or other pharmacy. <laughs> there were some wonderful tweets here. Um, just like um, jokes about how Florida State's um, special teams may have gotten a failing grade, but by the end of the week, they should bump it back up to a C. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else happened? Oh my goodness. Um, so this Sunday, uh, UCLA... Cal Los Angeles and Tet A&M 
State College Tetsons played a game that was looking about as lopsided as you could get it. At one point, Tetsons A&M led 44-10 in the second half of the game, and you thought there was no way UCLA and uber-talented and outspoken quarterback Josh Rosen would ever lead his team back to back to victory. They had a 0.5% chance of victory with uh, with just a few minutes left in the third quarter. So naturally, Tetsons A&M gave up a 34-point lead and lost 45-44 to on a fake spike blast that won the game for UCLA. Yeah, fake spikes everywhere, UCLA. <laughs> Yes, this after uh, this after Josh Rosen had uh, had made some very kinded comments about the life of a student athlete, which were uh, which uh, got some people riled up and had some people riled up when when UCLA was looking pretty bad. Uh, I, I think I think uh, goodness, mm, boy, ooh, there there's going to be some reverse course this happening here. Yep, I mean. That seems to just be the life of any student athlete that goes to a college in Los Angeles where where his classmate last season, Lonzo Ball, well, he's Lonzo Ball. We don't need to go further into that. Yeah, about a month ago, Josh Rosen got, uh, got in some trouble by saying that football and school just don't go together. They don't. Trying to do both is like trying to do full, two full-time jobs. Their guys have no business being at school, but they're here because this is the path of the NFL. There's no other way. Then there's the other side that says raise the SAT eligibility requirements. Okay, raise the requirement in Alabama and see what kind of team they have. You lose <laughs> athletes, and then the product on the field suffers. And, you know, he's actually got a, he's got kind of a point here because we've made a point in the show. Yeah, maybe, maybe you should pay these fucking players. And yeah. it's not just us that are saying it. Uh, this is like coming from actual people who actually cover the sport on a full-time basis. This is like, I believe it's like the one thing that would keep Dre from enjoying the sport, which honestly is a much more palatable product than the NFL, but they don't pay the players, and we're still stuck in this mindset of believing that this is this is the purity of amateur sports as it is. Josh Rosen is just being a soft, whiny millennial coward before he leads his team <laughs> back from a 34-point deficit. Interestingly enough, two epic comebacks started at the very exact same point with 206 remaining in the third quarter. It was 44 to 10 UCLA. Coincidently, in the most recent Super Bowl with 206 remaining in the third quarter, it was 28 to 3 Atlanta, which quickly got overturned at 34-28 New England in overtime. Yeah. They happened oh at the exact same point of the game. I'm just I'm just thinking like what would I'm thinking what would happen if they actually raised the SAT requirements of college football? We'd go back to the olden days where like the Ivy League was a dominant football conference. Mm. Well, I mean, as we've as we've seen uh, earlier in this first week of the season, like the first actual week, it's pretty possible that uh, uh, the uh, the second tier teams can beat the first tier teams, and by a pretty <laughs> handy margin at that. Yes. Like, for those who don't know, uh, college football, it's a three-division system, but it's, like, it's extremely, extremely hard to move between divisions. There's, like, a lot of requirements in terms of, like, you have to be financially viable, you have to be competitive to a certain level, plus there's actually a waiting period of a, of a number of years before you're even allowed to move up between divisions. Yeah, it's like... The the closest thing I could provide is like an analogy to like the Premier League. Imagine if like every team in the Premier League had to play each other, um, 
but they had to fill out like a certain ga- number of games that they couldn't do just with all the teams in the league. So what do they do? Well, they schedule a couple of cupcake games between teams in like the, the championship, the football league championship or division one or two. You no. Know, and they, and they, uh, they, they do that. So they, those uh, smaller teams can get a little bit of money on the side. And sometimes those smaller teams can just reach up and hit them right in the mouth. As they yes. happen to say down here, man, Texas got embarrassed. Yeah, Texas lost to uh, Maryland, the University of Maryland, but they're they're actually in a big conference. They're in the Big Ten. Yeah, imagine that a a team in a burnt orange uniforms, uh, traditional powerhouse of the sport, getting embarrassed in uh, in in September on their uh, on their home soil. Where where have we seen this before, motorsport fans? <laughs> Oh, I'm pretty sure it's also going to happen again in Austin later this year. So yeah, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, that does sound very familiar. <laughs> a team with a lot of money uh, just doesn't know what to do with it, um, having to go through a painful rebuilding process with its seemingly high expectations. We should we should also mention the weird eccentricities of college football, where the University of Maryland play in a conference called the Big Ten. And they have 14 schools in the Big Ten. The University of Texas at Austin, they play in the Big 12, which uh, has 10 schools. Nothing makes sense in football. Zoe, what do you what do you feel about this? I've, is this your first time being introduced to the idiosyncrasy, idiosyncrasies of uh, big time Division One college football? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. I how, mean, how do you feel about this? I, like, I'm trying to think because, like, we did briefly have, like, the sort of the the European NFL, which... Oh, NFL Europe! I used to... The World Football League! I I went to the Scottish Claymore Games. (laughs) I used to go to their matches. But... Mm, How was it? I was... Okay. (laughs) To be honest, it was... The sort of um, the sort of build up was more entertaining at times. <laughs> I mean, this kind of sounds like NFL London. Yeah, like well, I though, admittedly, like we we should mention, like while like the Premier League has, I, I believe, twenty clubs in the Premier League. Uh, Division One college football has a hundred and twenty nine schools. <laughs> And counting because yes, we got to get that money, and all these schools are blowing up. Then again, <laughs> yes, the, the sort of rugby leagues, uh, rugby union leagues, they've just added like two South African teams. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, but oh, I can't, I can't remember which teams there, but it's two teams from South Africa. Every, all the other teams are in Europe. <laughs> I just assumed like if 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 like. There were going to be South African teams that wanted to join a different rugby league. It would be, like, with the Australian Rugby League, because they have, like, the same seasons. Uh-huh. But it's like, um, when Argentina was starting to become more and more serious with their, their rugby, they originally wanted to yeah. join the Six Nations. And the Six... Wait. <laughs> and the Six Nations basically went, Do you know where you are in comparison to us? <laughs> It's like not 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 where you are competitively, but geographically. Yeah. So they end they they now they do a tournament with South Africa, Australia, and New Zealand, 
which is why... See, that makes uh -huh. sense. But it's also why Argentina is now such an incredibly good team. Because they're yeah, playing they're, against they're, some of the best. NFL football. It starts this weekend. It starts this week. Oh my God, we got another team at LA. Uh, we have uh, we have another uh, reigning champion team in New England who has just lost their wide receiver because the preseason is fucking stupid. We have all sorts of fun stuff to look forward to, and, and then we my have... team is garbage. <laughs> And my team is garbage, too. And I think our teams are playing each other the first week of the season. Yep. Yay. Oh, God. Oh, thank, oh, thank God that's coming up soon. Yeah. At least our teams are good in that. So, Our teams were wonderful in this. I, we, we, just, we, just, we don't talk about how that ended. I've... Well, your your team had like a better ending than my team because your team actually made it to the final. I almost forgot you were not a Pittsburgh Penguins fan for a second. Yeah, yeah. My, my my team is the New York Rangers. Yeah. Yeah, shoot, I I um, I completely forgot about that for a second. I was just like, oh my god, I swear, if I have to listen to King <laughs> talk about his beloved Pittsburgh Penguins and no, how I great the, it is, I hate the Penguins. <laughs> talking talking about how good it is to put French fries in a sandwich. What's wrong with Chip Butty? Oh, mm. Nah, you you don't you don't know the Permani Brothers sandwich where it's like where it's sliced bread, meat. French fries, a whole bunch of coleslaw, then the other slice of bread. Oh right, I thought you did. Pencil Pennsylvanians are chips. weird. <laughs> no, Pennsylvanians are weird. Did you know that we have like a like a football stadium that's named after a bankrupt retailer? And they still haven't <laughs> changed the naming rights. I thought the name was changed. Um, per the ESPN schedule, um, the Monday night game with the newly rechristened Los Angeles Chargers who will play in a 30,000 seat soccer stadium which um, is like I think they have the smallest stadium in the NFL yes by, by like by 50% like I'm pretty sure the next closest stadium is like around 60,000 seats and they might have trouble selling that out honestly <laughs> they might have to share it with the Rams um, so the Chargers will play Denver at a sports authority field at mile high Sports Authority, now the uh, now the property of Dick Sporting Goods, after all their assets were liquidated in Chapter 7 bankruptcy. But they can't change the name because the Colorado Rapids play in Dick's Authority field, like uh, Dick's Sporting Goods field. <laughs> so they so they would have two they would have two places where pro sports are played in the city of Denver, named after Dick's Sporting Goods. <laughs> If you if you if you think back to 2010, this kind of reminds me of the year that BMW Sauber, uh, when BMW pulled out, Peter Sauber bought the team at the last minute to keep them on the grid, but it was too late to change the name of the team back. But they didn't have BMW engines, so they were officially known as BMW Sauber Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We should we should also mention that uh, Mercedes Benz has the naming rights of two stadiums in the NFL. Yes. Not only just in the NFL. Stank on the, your dome! In the same division in the NFL. <laughs> yes, they have one now in Atlanta, which just hopes did the uh, the big season opener game between Alabama and Florida State. 
And tonight, as we're recording this, we'll also host Tennessee versus Georgia Tech, which probably has a bunch of leftover Bama fans that just want to talk shit all the time. <laughs> Honestly, I don't blame them. You, oh, could, you could get into the Jacksonville at Houston game for $25. Yeah, we we love the affordability of American sports. You can get into Baltimore at Cincinnati for $21. <laughs> yeah, Cincinnati has not been hurricaned out. I wonder how cheap it would be to go to the, the, the Jets-Bills game in Buffalo. <laughs> you can get a ticket starting from $62. What? We should know this, but yeah, because the Buffalo Bills, their stadium is not that large, and plus they're a really popular team. That's how they're able to uh. exist in the small upstate New York City of Buffalo, which, yeah, Buffalo is the closest city to Watkins Glen. Yeah. Also, the most most expensive game on this list is not Kansas City at New England. It is Seattle at Green Bay from $120. Third on the list, Atlanta at at Chicago, $108. It's it's not based on how good your team is. It's based off of how many people care about your team. (laughs) Yes, it's it's based on pointless things like tradition and not necessarily, you know, recent form of performance. Speaking of which, let's dive right into the Italian Grand Prix at Monza. It was a race. This Grand Prix, I I don't know what to make of it. It was um, Monza. Yeah, it it certainly took place in Italy. There were certainly high hopes for Ferrari that were quickly quashed. Um, and there was that one guy with that we... flag at the podium. Oh yeah. God, that Croatian flag! It'll never <laughs> die. It will never, goddamn, die. <laughs> They just uh, they just wanted to honor Mario Andretti's home country. <laughs> so, in case you missed it, um, we uh we missed a you missed a doozy in qualifying. Uh, what exactly happened in qualifying? We had to wait how long for this two hours, show to get going? I don't know. I thought I was gonna be able to watch qualifying before I went to work. I had to give up. I took a shower. I ate breakfast, I drove to work, I clocked in, I reached, like, my first little 15-minute break, and qualifying hadn't even started yet. We, we, had, me and my mama actually gave up and went and decided to walk up a hill instead. <laughs> I mean, I was honestly ready to just go back to sleep. As I mentioned before, I had overslept through the start of qualifying and missed Romain Grosjean aquaplaning out of control on a straight line. Because the <laughs> newly resurfaced front straightaway, uh, it just held water. And yeah. uh, Grosjean couldn't keep it together. He, uh, he eventually finished out of 107% time. But, you know, that kind of doesn't matter since he's kind of proven that he was quick enough. 
case anybody wants to start another fake controversy about, oh, should you be able to start if you make 107%? That generally goes out the window as soon as there's rain. Right. But but don't tell people, don't tell people that. Y'all, um, let's... Uh, yeah, this took a while for it to get going, and we got flashbacks of USA 2015. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure somewhere Sarah Connors and Elizabeth Wirth were having, like, traumatic flashbacks. <laughs> No, they were at the they were at the Glen. Just Catherine was. They were at the they were at the Glen. Yeah, Catherine Benham, friend of the show, um, was actually at Monza, having to put up with this. Um, Sarah and Elizabeth. The the Austin race. (laughs) Sarah and Elizabeth didn't care because they were at Watkins Glen, where it was not raining, at least not until Sunday. Yeah, so we uh we had a we had a point in time where we kind of thought that because of the condensed schedule of the day, because consider that uh, after qualifying we were supposed to have uh, both a Formula Two and a GP three feature race after this. Eventually, they had to trim the schedule down a bit um, by moving the GP three weekend to a single race and uh, postponing the F two race. And I believe one of the Super Cup events got cut as well. Yes, the Porsche uh, Cup, the Porsche Super Cup race got canceled. There was a point in time where we genuinely thought that you know Q one was going to be the only qualifying session. If that was the case, who boy, we were due for some, uh, we were due for some shenanigans like Valtteri Bottas on pole. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, if you think Valtteri Botas on pole was shenanigans, what was the final grid then? Um, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, so, Lewis Hamilton qualified in pole position. I believe he was the only driver who actually qualified where he would start the race on Sunday. The other 19 drivers were all shuffled around because we have to have another controversy Apart about Carlos grid. Carlos Sainz? Oh, no, that's the best part. The best part is that we ended up back there. No, he, it was by time, because he got a penalty, like, after qualifying. He got a five-grid place for whatever. But because of all the other penalties, he didn't actually move. (laughs) Oh, this is so stupid. I love it. (laughs) Hamilton and Sainz were the only drivers who qualified where they uh, would actually start. Uh, Matt Verstappen and Daniel Ricciardo finished the second session in second and third, but they got a ton of grid spot penalties. So moving up to the front row with Lance with Lewis Hamilton, it's your lucky day, Canada. Lance Stroll, you get to start on the front row in your very first IndyCar skipping <laughs> F1 season. Oh, shoot, I'm almost jumping the gun there five years. <laughs> Nesman Ocon, you're starting in the second row with Botas. My sons. Oh, my goodness. And Ferrari had to settle for the third row of the grid, which was actually a blessing considering they qualified seventh and eighth. Ferrari didn't understand how the pace of their car had just gone away in the space of, like, you know, a couple of weeks. Yeah, where, like... It seems like no one understands that because, like, the headline on Autosport at the moment is how Ferrari fell apart at its home race. Even less understandable how Williams 
after kind of pooping the bed at spa went to a very similar track in monza and suddenly found like oodles and oodles of speed in the wet and dry and this is the weirdest thing because williams mercedes in recent years have just been trash in wet weather conditions and suddenly lance stroll has a has one more significant wet weather performance than uh his fellow compatriot jack villeneuve who in a funny anecdote (laughs) Being told on MB- on F1 by- on NBC Sports, Jack Villeneuve is no longer invited to Williams hospitality anymore because he's been so critical of Lance Stroll. Oh my God! Like, how do you get banned from the team hospitality that you won a world championship for? Not just any world championship. The most recent world championship your team has won. <laughs> Jack, Jack, my dude. Interestingly enough, though, John Newhouse, always welcome at the Williams garages. Yeah, you just need to, like, wheel in the old TV, and then you just set it up and, like, Newhouse is here, guys! Driver 1 Williams. Persona, <laughs> persona always grata. <laughs> so we go to, we go to bed. And we start to think, man, you know, we've got we've got this 18-year-old rookie on the front row. You know, he could do some things here. And you got this 20-year-old champion that's sitting on the inside of the second row. Maybe you could have a good finish here. Maybe you could have just something about the like the potential for something really, really unexpected and unpredictable. And then the race starts, and oh, everything's now gone to form. Oh sadness. Yeah, like I, I know in the post-race interview, uh, Lance mentioned that he, he got a good start off the line, and he kind of mentioned that Lewis didn't get a good start, and Lewis moved over on him, and he decided to back off. And even then, like, through the, uh, through the other stage of the race, it was kind of becoming apparent that, yeah, Mercedes kind of had the setup to win this race, in dry, especially in dry conditions. And, you know, you can't really blame them for that. They've just been better at this now for the last four years. Whether we'd like to admit it or not, some of us don't like to admit it. <laughs> let, us be, let us be perfectly clear. Uh, Lewis and Lewis and Valtteri left uh, Sebastian Vettel behind it to the tune of 32 seconds between Botas and second, and Sebastian Vettel in third as Lewis Hamilton picked up the win. Not only picking up the win, but also picking up the lead in the World Drivers Championship, which is now swung from a 25-point Vettel lead at Monaco to a three-point Lewis Hamilton advantage after Monza. Yes. And I know Nicky Lauda was quick to point out three points because that's the three points that uh, that Lewis lost by giving up a position to Botas. <laughs> yeah, it went from 25 points at Mons- Monaco, 12 at Canada, 14 at Baku, 20 in Austria, and then it closed down to like one point. At Silverstone, that had opened up again to 14 and then 17, and now Hamilton leads by three. Um, is it if you are if you are somebody who is heavily invested in the success of Sebastian Vettel, not like we'd know anybody <laughs> like that on our podcast, um, are you worried that the wheels are starting to fall off on Ferrari's comeback season? I don't know. I like if I was Dre, I'd be worried if. If Sebastian Vettel is not able to beat the Mercedes at Singapore, then I would start to get worried. Yeah, in 
I mean, in recent years, Mercedes have never had the answer for Singapore. If they find that, you might as well just start. You might as well just grave the name on the trophy. Yeah, you're four-time, four-time world champion. Just want to add, anyone able to guess the last time Ferrari actually won at their home track? Was it in 2010? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> really, yeah, at this point... It was in 2010 with, with Fernando Alonso. Yeah. Hey, how how on form was this race going? Uh, did uh, <laughs> did Mats Verstappen suffer a cruel stroke of luck within the opening laps that took him out of contention for a podium? Yes. Yes. Did Fernando Alonso retire with two or three laps to go, knowing that he had no chance of a points-paying finish? Uh, yep. Although this time it was actually did. the team. It was so they could yep. uh, do a, a replacement without any penalties. Because they're hoping that they're not going to end up incurring any other penalties between now and Singapore. <laughs> did Julian Palmer become the butt end of a lot of jokes? Uh, yes. yep. <laughs> yes, Julian Palmer is now Fernando's new sworn life enemy. <laughs> oh my goodness. That might have that might have been like we're getting a preview for like some indie rivals promotions within like, the next couple of years. It's not no. Palmer is not going to IndyCar. <laughs> I refuse. I... You say that like he's not on Trevor Carlin's speed dial. Uh... Yeah, he's he's gonna be teammates with Max Chilton. Nah, he's 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 clearly an Aston Martin guy. Yeah, he's clearly an Aston Martin guy. He's gonna be GTs. There was also Fernando's comment after the race. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Fernando's uh, radio commentary is is becoming the highlight of what was very much a processional, by-the-books kind of race, which, you know, once again, didn't really live up to the billing of the, the mystique and the grandeur and the spectacle that is the Autodromo Nazionale Monza. They should, they should just bring back the, the old yeah. let's be Let's be real here. That's the only way we're going to get any excitement. Well, here's here's the fun thing. Here's the weird thing is that Formula 2, that very same weekend. Oh, uh, my very God. Same track, yeah, it kind of proved that, yeah, you could still have a good race here. The cars just need to be, like, closer in pace. I actually missed Formula 2 because, as was mentioned, it was it was a long day. So we got to qualifying, and then I just kind of checked out on Formula 2. So what the hell exactly happened? <laughs> um, the shenaniganry that you would get on a drying racetrack with Formula 2 caliber drivers that, that pretty much, uh, if you were good enough not to be caught out by the drying track, your race was going to be affected by someone who wasn't good enough. um yeah this race actually went down to the final corners of the final lap uh charles leclerc and nick devries were going at it for the lead of the race i believe and stop me if i have this incorrect um and then they uh they have a racing incident they touch wheels and in swoops luca giotto take a home victory but whoa not so fast because at midnight local time they found out that he had uh, cut the chicane and gained an advantage got dropped down to fourth so antonio fuco <laughs> takes the home victory and luca giotto ends up winning the sprint race man 
I'm so glad I didn't overpay on Formula 2 talent this, this Centennial <laughs> Cup. Yep. Ah, oh, just, just the, how, how do you, like, like, of all the times to be like, Charles Leclerc is a guaranteed, like, home run pick, you, you get stuck with the two race weekends where Charles Leclerc just, man, this is, like, the least Charles Leclerc has looked all year. But, like, partially due to, like, no fault of his own. And, of course, to be entirely fair, he's probably going to ha- wrap up this next round at the standalone at Jerez. Let's oh, be which, is probably, which is probably, like, the perfect stage to clinch a Formula 2 championship at a standalone event where you are the main attraction. Damn right. And who said the Jerez event was a dumb idea? Hey, um, <laughs> George Russell won in GP3. That happened as well. I slept through that. Yes, George Russell wins in GP3. Man... Part of me is, part of me at first regretted not having GP3 in the Centennial Cup, but then I did not regret it when one of the races got canceled. And now everybody is upset, especially if they're chasing George Russell, because that is potential points that they can use to catch up. They're just going out the damn window. Yeah, it's going out the window, and it, it's it's not looking good. Like... When you have the opportunity, because it's 15 points for a win in any of the sprint races, and when that's gone, uh, it, it it's not something that you're looking forward to. Where where it's where it's like that opportunity is lost, and the other person that's looking forward to that is George Russell, because that's points off the table. No, um, Zoe, in the midst of all this excitement of just like wringing her hands and just griping about how terrible the uh the italian grand prix has become in terms of excitement compared to its prestige on the calendar um we kind of missed an important milestone a very nice milestone if you will. <laughs> a very perhaps, nice milestone. perhaps the nicest milestone of them all in modern formula one history yes lewis managed to get pull number 69 nice <laughs> And then uh, everywhere burst into arguments. <laughs> it's like, why were there arguments? He he broke a record. What is there to argue about? That he wouldn't do it if not for having the quickest car. And then it became Michael Which... didn't deserve the record in the first place because he was a cheater and, you know, all that sort of very it, British sportsmanship it, it, way. It, it, it's kind of hard to get the pole record if you don't have the quickest car. Mm. Um, friend of the show, Luke Smith, actually put out a good feature about the ways that Luke, that Lewis Hamilton can actually make it to 100 career pole positions, which is incredible, considering that, you know, it's... Um, the record when Ayrton Senna broke it was like, I want to say it was, it was like Jim 30 Clark. something from Jim Clark. It was Jim Clark. He held it from 1968 to 1989. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of and insane took... when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And considering how low that mark was, it was like, I want to say it was 33 pole positions. No, I don't. Senna set it up at 65. And then Michael Schumacher. People forget how how few pole positions Michael Schumacher had. Um, Com- for, yeah, especially for, compared to the amount of wins he had. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. 
but Michael Schumacher only wins from the front row. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hamilton could probably uh, probably finish the season with like 72 pole positions. Which and, is uh, scary. <laughs> yep. Uh, if he if he averages about 10 for the rest of the year, for the rest of the next handful of seasons, he could get to a hundred. He could put this record well out of reach for anybody else. Yeah, it's it's gonna take it's gonna take a really sad state of affairs for someone to get to that record. Well, you've got to remember though, when Jim set the the record back in the nineteen sixties, it was an average of ten races a season. We're now at twenty. Yes. So it's like. In one sense, it really shouldn't be a surprise that you can hit you can hit the century mark for races by, in like six seasons. seasons. <laughs> I think because uh, Jackie Stewart took eight years to get to a hundred. Daniel Ricciardo yeah, is currently he's over a hundred, and he's only been around for about five or so years. I want to inject a uh, a question from our mailbag. We had a small mailbag today. Um, friend of the show, Evan, at button underscore MK. Considering that Monza put on another Blau race, what's the worst race you've ever watched live? Brackets, 2005 at United States. It's too obvious. <laughs> I have a... No, I'm still going with USA 2005. <laughs> I was there. I have the tickets to prove it. I have a brilliant story related to that one. <laughs> Go on. Right. Uh, the weekend that was on, over here, it was Father's Day. So, in the run up to Father's Day, try to find a present. I was in TK Maxx or TJ Maxx. And I found a Ferrari t shirt. Which, the sort of like mock of the, the sort of banter ones where it's got a list of all the tracks in the back. I thought, perfect, got it. Now up for Father's Day, had lunch and gave him it and he spilt food on the top he was wearing so he, he stuck that one on and then I went home and my dad went to the pub where they just he hadn't seen the like we knew about the controversy going on but at that point we didn't realise all the other teams were going to pull out my dad arrived in the pub with the Ferrari top on as only six cars took away from the start of the race <laughs> Ooh. Needless to say, my dad got a slagging. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> you don't understand, that was the only time I ever got to go to a race with both my dad and my grandfather. Oh. <laughs> Did you throw stuff on the track? And I, I, If I had stuff to throw, I probably would have, because I was an angry 15-year-old with like some serious issues at the time. I have never, I would never been so angry to see my team finish in the points with both cars. <laughs> <laughs> and in fairness, I was not impressed with the driver lineup that year. Albers free sacrifice is just about as boring as watching paint dry. At least Bomber Bruni, Baumgartner Bruni, they had a fun dynamic of Jimmy Bruni is fast, but he doesn't like, but he doesn't get along with the team boss. And Zolt Baumgartner is painlessly slow, but everybody likes him. 
I actually I really want I really want to write a feature about Jamari Brunian's <laughs> old Baumgartner that year. That would be a fun read. I also think that Probably year would. for English I wrote a report on that race. <laughs> God. But I don't yeah. ever mm, God. What a what a terrible one. Um do we have like any other suggestions in like the uh, like the not like worst race like we'll we'll leave USA 2005 off the table. We'll try to just like try our best to avoid like races that are bad because bad things tragically bad things happen. So we'll just push but, those uh, off the table for ki- a bit. Let, that's kind of hard because like for the most part it's it's really hard to remember bad races because there's there's literally nothing notable to remember about I, them. I mean, the only other race I if I fake that was like annoying to me. It's Hungary Jensen's first win, but Fernando crashed because the team didn't put a wheel on right. Which, like, I remember at the time, that was, like, a fairly common thing for Formula oh. 1. Where it's, like, they would just not attach the re- wheel correctly. Yeah. And they'd stop... I forgot, it became a thing recently where it's, like, they started fining teams, like, tremendous amounts of money. To the point where it's, like, we can't afford to have loose wheels anymore. Yeah. The other reason I remember it is because James Allen pretty much orgasmed as <laughs> one. <laughs> As, as he, yeah, remember the times when uh, Britain wasn't guaranteed a Formula One race winner every single season and the best equipment? Yes, those were. I enjoyed those years. <laughs> like people, like I enjoyed those years because when the win, like I remember Anthony Davidson's call of the win, where it's like Martin Brundle, what have you done? Because Brundle couldn't make it to do commentary that day. Yeah. Of course, you can always just watch MotoGP and BT Sport to watch local heroes, uh, local heroes like Cal Crutchlow and Valentino. Ru- <laughs> <laughs> More on that on Bike Live on the Motorsport One on One Network. I love how you, it doesn't matter where you live. Valentino Rossi's your local hero, especially if your name's Susie <laughs> or Keith. Let's let's be perfectly clear. Um, let's wrap up this uh, this very intriguing Formula One uh, Grand Premio Einiken d'Italia 2017. Which all the, mo- the, uh, the stewards were drinking. Oh yeah, gosh, they they were they were just kicking back on that Heineken. <laughs> According to Fernando. <laughs> Mercedes finished one two. Vettel finishes third. He drops to three points back in the championship. He's still kind of happy because hey, he gets to be on the podium. At Monza in a Ferrari, Daniel Ricciardo was like the uh, the instant shot of adrenaline that this race needed. <laughs> it kind of played out. This happened last year too. Last year's race was very boring, and then Daniel Ricciardo throws a late race dive bomb up the inside uh, at the at the first cane. This year, think, the race is kind of boring, and Daniel Ricciardo throws another dive bomb up the first chicane. The thing is, it didn't really feel like a dive bomb. It felt like the traditional, like, I'm just going to pass you on the inside heading into a corner. It didn't feel dive bomb-like. That's just how ridiculous Daniel Ricciardo is. On the <laughs> he almost stole a podium away from Vettel. That that was, like, the crazy thing. And there's Matt Verstappen down in 10th, one lap down. And uh, 
ticking off Kevin Magnuson in a race where Matt Verstappen might have gotten away with a little bit of uh, pushing someone over the track limits. Never, never would have heard of it. <laughs> never. Kimi Raikkonen finishes a uh, a respectable fifth place. He's still getting paid. <laughs> Esteban Ocon was very upset that he couldn't finish on the podium. So I'd was be I. Upset too. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, sits place. He's finished every race he's ever driven so far. He's he's chasing down Chilton's record. <laughs> chasing down Chilton. Chasing Chilton. Ever <laughs> <laughs> sure to be sure when you listen to this and. Uh, Give us your comments with the hashtag Chase and Chilton. Lance Stroll finishes seventh, um, just ahead of his Williams teammate Felipe Massa, uh, after a pretty stout battle for seventh between Stroll, Massa, and Sergio Perez in ninth. Stappen finishes tenth. Rounding out the non scorers are Magnuson, Kvyat, Hulkenberg. Congratulations on setting the new record, by the way, Nico. That is now 128 starts. Without a podium finish. Oh, that's gonna hurt. <laughs> Carlos Sainz, Romain Grosjean, Pascal Verlaine, the last car to be class to finish. Classified non-finishers. Alonso, who just parked it. Ericsson, who just parked it. Van Dorn and Palmer were not classified. And but in two weeks, we have Singapore. Singapore, but yeah, to head back into the slight tangent of the pole record, uh, we're we're in a weird situation where like, yes, uh, Lewis has total poles record, but he'll never get the like the percentage poles record of having most like poles per entry. Where like, yeah. I think yeah, Fangio's Fangio. sitting at fifty. Yeah, Fangio's at fifty five. Then you have Jim Clark at forty five. Then you have Alberto Ascari at forty two. Senna at forty percent. Then you get to Lewis sitting at thirty four. I mean, the only rec like of all the records to if you want to go for a record, the one that you really have to go for is the Grand Slam, which is the pole, the yeah. win, the fastest lap, and you lead every lap. And well, that's there's... a record that stood, that Jim Clark, I believe, he still holds yeah, that. Yeah, he, he got he got the eighth of it in nineteen sixty five. But the thing is, it's really hard to lead every lap. Like, yeah, like Lewis. You say that, but Lewis has, has done this three times this year. Yes, he's done it three times this year because it, he's been in a situation where Botas wasn't close enough to be leading when he comes in the pit. Which happened this weekend. That's why he couldn't lead every lap this weekend. Well, I mean, he could. I mean, between how like how long seasons are, and if he stays with a good car and has a teammate who's good, but not too good, or as good, or being kept slow. <laughs> yeah, you better you better watch your language. Chris Cook of Unsafe <laughs> Press Release is watching this and listening. <laughs> making notes yeah. um, but we, we should note Lewis is actually really close to passing uh, Michael Schumacher in terms of wins percentage where uh, Michael is at 29.5 and Lewis is at 29.3 and I think that's only a case of how like ridiculously long Michael Schumacher's Woo! career was where like where like Schumacher is one of three drivers to have like over 300 Grand Prix starts Ooh, buddy. 
Yeah. Eight. But yeah, that. But yeah, passing Schumacher would put him fifth all times, and it. I mean, yeah, it would put him fifth all no fourth all time in win percentage. Mm. Where sure. like Clark Ascari and Fangio still have better win percentages than most modern yeah. drivers. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, it's it's always kind of hard to judge from past years, but I mean, you have to say the cars. Like are a lot more reliable now. Yes, oh, they're a lot more reliable. So I mean, it's when you think about the Ferrari years of Michael, those five years, and you think. Oh yeah, those five. If he if he had a more reliable, if they had modern day reliability, oh my god. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's that kind of, even like the, when it was Senna and Prost at McLaren and you think how dominant the two were and there was still reliability issues if you imagine they didn't have those reliability issues it's the same with I mean with like, 88 wouldn't be that different because yeah. they won every single race bar uh-huh. one yeah that wouldn't be so different but you know what I mean it's that kind of a maybe like Ooh. when they've had to have turned the engine down at times they wouldn't have had to and all this yeah. The weed differences. Oh my goodness. Total Wolf just salted the wounds by saying, Yeah, we're we're turning down these engines. <laughs> Turn down the engines for the race. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Toto. Although do you, know, you could have just ran the score up. Uh two of the best percentage is actually two Indy five hundred winners. <laughs> Oh yeah, I didn't count yeah. them because like th- because in terms of their percentage, like they're only their five hundred entries yeah. count. So it's like it's pretty much how dominant were was Billy Yukovic in the nineteen fifties, guys. <laughs> it's just always hey, funny how, to see. How dominant how how about that dominance of Buddy Lazier? <laughs> <laughs> it's just always funny when you look through the stats and it's like you you look at this thing, it's like, why have I never actually heard of it? And it's like, Oh, they only ever done the Indy five hundred. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like they're only known to like diehard indie car fans who cared about the sport before Michael and Dre- before Mario and Dreddy. Like yourself. <laughs> On <Yes>. that bombshell, <laughs> let's uh let's transition away from the first leg of our day of summer classics and onto the afternoon leg. A very fun race at Watkins Glen, all things considered. to get wet in the Finger Lakes <laughs> with the Grand Prix at the Glen. Can you believe the IndyCar season has gone by so fast? I actually can believe it because of the way the schedule is so ridiculously condensed. Hey, hey, I would be afraid of college football Saturday, too. Should, should we also <laughs> mention that it was a double header for Lee Diffie, who started yes. at Monza. <laughs> And then yeah. finished Monza, got a flight to Watkins Glen to cover Watkins Glen. 
Yeah, we got a private jet from NBC Sports <laughs> Studios in Connecticut all the way out. To, all the way. Well, I'm pretty sure it's like 45 minute flight. Yeah, it's a it's that. a 45 minute flight. I always used to wonder before I realized that they just called the races for the studio that um, that it was really impressive that some of these guys would actually be around to call two races in an afternoon. And I'm like, oh yeah, they just do this in the studio. Yeah, that's like when yeah, far far away from the action. When discovered that Strictly was live but delayed. Because <laughs> it was. Oh. It was a four- it's like when you discover that Monday Night Raw used to be taped every other week. Or when you figured out that uh, SmackDown was actually taped, like, it was always taped. It was never actually on Tuesdays. Until now. Until now. Until now. <laughs> Let's unpack this Grand Prix at the Glen. We had friends there. It's a good venue. The racing's usually good there. Um, it's, uh, it was a, it was a good one. It was a very yeah. good one. And it started like- with some new faces in new places for instance we had jack harvey jack harvey he was on well, the well that, that, that's a new that's a new face in an old place <laughs> yes yes it's it's he's uh he's joining schmidt peterson motorsports the team for uc driving indy lights and the beautiful snowflake car <laughs> yes that wonderful that wonderful pink and black livery oh my god it, it looks so good yeah it was a a wee girl fan was like they dubbed the car the snowflake and then they managed <laughs> the team managed to arrange for her to come up and actually get to see the car up close in person like <laughs> that was just fantastic that was great we had a we had a weird qualifying session where we had alexander rossi on pole position when it looked like the pole was going to come down to joseph newgarden and scott Dixon by one ten thousandth of a second my dude yeah that was like watch that session live and it like the broadcast didn't really convey how close it was but if you were looking at the timing sheets you're like oh my god yeah it's almost a dead heat at this point um Rossi takes the pull from Ditson from Newgarden, who entered the race with a 40-point lead in the championship. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Sato, Charlie Kimball makes the top sits uh, the week after we slag him for being kind of rubbish. Stateless. <laughs> so that's just a stateless Charlie Kimball sliding himself back up to a uh, passable replacement level. <laughs> replacement level Kimball. Elio is in the mix, so obviously we're building up excitement for the championship. Sebastian Bourdais goes fastest in a wet warm-up session. Um, it's cold and it's wet on race day. Crazy stuff happens. Should we mention the indie lights first? Oh yeah, shoot! I almost forgot to mention that the indie lights had their road to indie finale this weekend. Congratulations to our champions! Champions! Kyle Kaiser just had to show up. <laughs> <laughs> he just had to show up and he got the title. Yeah, he was just like, right, I'm just going to finish the race. The rest of you can go and play like crazies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been pretty awesome to see Kyle Kaiser just constantly develop from, you know, promising rookie and in Indy Lights to regular race winner in a second year to championship contender. 
um, in his third season, and now he has three guaranteed races, if he can find the ride, because he's got the money to do it. This is something new that I learned here, that you don't actually get a guaranteed drive. You just get the money to uh, to purchase the drive. Yeah, like, pretty much, uh, as, like, if, if, like, a team has the personnel available, it's pretty much all funded for. So, like... All you need to do is just have, like, the facilities, and you're good to go. Gosh. Um, Stall for time, stall for time. Yeah. Well, do do we talk about America's Prima power team? About how Kyle Kaiser at Yukos Racing, he clinched his title, but also in Pro Mazda, we had uh, the Brazilian Victor uh, Franzoni. Yeah, he, Victor Franzoni, um, who was on the sidelines for most of a couple years ago. Uh, now he's a pro Mazda champion, and he's going to drive an Indy Lights with a Mazda Soul Red livery with a sponsorship and scholarship. Yes, because he'll be moving up from his Yunkos ride in, in pro Mazda to a Yunkos ride in Indy Lights. Yes, and Oliver Askew winning USF 2000 as a rookie. Oh my goodness, he's gonna... He's going places. He's going places. I, I dare say that his career is uh, is going to be uh, pretty straightforward and not <laughs> Um, Yeah, Pro Mazda was like the, wow. was like the one that really had the uh, all the drama and the prestige. And, you know, it's good to see that the Pro to Indy is doing pretty awesome things for a lot of young drivers. We just really need to get them some seats. Yeah, it's it's good to see that the the road to Indy works. <laughs> like, so we have a good Indy Lights, uh, we have a good Indy Lights crop, and we've got some good youngsters. Kyle Kaiser looking to be on the fence. We'll talk about silly season in a bit. Um, Santi Rutia also in play there may be some other names but let's uh let's talk about this race uh it started on a drying track um everybody starts the race on wet tires but the track's too dry for wet so they switch over to dry tires and then it gives us it gives us the comedy of the one wet patch out of the boot (laughs) oh my god where where it looked like Rossi's race was going to end right there. Where his car, I've never, like, the last time I've seen anything get that squirrely out of a corner would be a MotoGP bike. Can we also just add <laughs> rest in peace race control? Because that poor thing had a mental breakdown trying to handle everyone diving into the pits after the first lap. Yes. I think it just, like, assumed that, oh, you're going to the pits the first lap? That means you're retiring from the race. A lot of cars are retiring from this race. This is weird. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wait, there's some cars still on the track. And there's still, oh, wait, this one's now came out. Oh, dear. <laughs> I, I think it took about three or four laps for it to finally go, okay, everyone's still here. Yeah, I think, I don't know if it was per IndyCar rules if the if it's declared a wet race, you have to start on wet tires. But yeah, I think that might have been the case why everyone had to start on wets. Yeah. So obviously, you know, tire rules go out the window in some respect. Um, there was a point in time where where it looked like it was gonna be uh, it was gonna be Scott Ditson's race, and there was also a point in time where it was looked like it was gonna be uh, 
it's going to be Joseph Newgarden's race. There was a point in time where it definitely wasn't going to be Alexander Rossi's race. Oh, no, because uh, he had to come in for an unscheduled stop. Oh, dear. Like, in Formula One, an unscheduled stop means you're, your race is done. You're not coming back from that. The, uh, the problem was a malfunctioning fuel probe on his second stop. So he was eight laps out of sequence, and then safety car comes out. Um, potentially for dodgy circumstances as his teammate Takuma Sato breaks down at the side of the road. Sato did not have a good day. His championships are, hopes are over. Yeah, he, he went full Honda, and you never want to go full <laughs> Honda. No, you don't ever do that. And Jim Rahul's sitting there going, I'm so excited to have you as a teammate next year. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you were listening to sports coverage, in which case their their guy in America was saying it's rumored that Sato is going to rail them, and it's like, no, yeah. In case you wonder how quickly the news reaches over in other parts of the world, <laughs> the the rumors were just starting to form. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, uh, oh my goodness, uh, Chevrolet is coming back. Who that wouldn't that be exciting? <laughs> <laughs> How about this promising youngster, uh, Wade Cunningham? <laughs> oh my god. Is he bringing his cats? <laughs> I hope so. Um, but eventually, Alexander Rossi finds his way back onto sequence and in the lead of the race, um, doing everything that he needed to keep his slim championship hopes alive. And even though Joseph Newgarden wasn't in a position to win, he was still in good position uh, to finished the race with a good result, uh, put himself one step closer to the title. Everything is going good. All he has to do is just make it out cleanly after his final stop, and he's beating willpower out of the pits, and oh, God, what has happened? No, no! No! no. (laughs) He David Coulthard himself. (laughs) And you never go, and you never go David Coulthard. And you're never doing a Scottish accent again. (laughs) Not, not, not for, not for free at least. <laughs> yeah, that was wow. I, 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 I just screamed no when I saw that what happened. <laughs> oh God! I King was lucky enough to see it like five seconds before I did, so I had to just. Oh God! <laughs> that was probably. That was one of the most, like, I, I, like, I was physically frustrated when I watched it. The weird thing is, though, it actually takes pressure off of Come Sonoma. Mm-hmm. I don't know, because, like, if, if he had won, the, like, if, if, if the race had finished at that point in time, like, before uh, him going into the Armco... Uh, he could win the, like, pretty much he needed to win the race. I mean, no, all he had to do was finish, I think, second, and he would have had the championship. Goodness gracious. Now, yeah. Now it's, uh, like, straight up fight between, between him and Scott Dixon, which is like, that's, mm, that's a difficult position to be in. 
It's now 560 to 557 going into the final race of the season. Um, Zoe, could you tell our, to our listeners at home uh, exactly what needs to happen for the championship to go the way of any one of our favorite drivers here? So we've got a we got a pretty uh, pretty awkwardly put together uh, list of uh, championship permutations. We have. Uh, we had six drivers on the list, and then we found out that it's not mathematically possible for Alexander Rossi to win the championship with only 21 cars in the entry list. Yeah. So yes. we're down to five. All four Penske's and Scott Nitson's <laughs> Honda Ganassi. For basically, on each occasion, they have, for Scott, Haley, Simon, and Will, they ideally have to, well, for Haley, Simon, and Will, they have to win. If Will wins... Simon can't come better than 4th, Helio can't come better than 7th, Scott can't come better than 13th, and Joseph can't come better than 15th. Which, yeah, I might get Simon and Helio in those positions, but I don't know about Scott and Joseph. For Simon, Helio can come 2nd, but Joseph and Scott can't do better than 4th. For Helio, um, Joseph and Scott can't come better than third. And Scott, if he wins, he gets it. <laughs> Basically, for Joseph okay. and Scott, whoever wins it, wins it. Yes. <laughs> Straight up fight with Scott Nixon. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. I- Clearly, clearly we need double points to make this championship out at sighting, especially at a standard distance event like Sonoma, with its rich history in IndyCar dating back to 2005. <laughs> the 2006 race was a good one. I mean, it's a good track. I just question the need to have double points for it, considering, yeah. you know, the championship battle is already pretty exciting. I, I think they out the I, one. Yeah, they didn't want to have a situation where the Indianapolis 500 was the only double points race. So when Fontana got dropped off the calendar, they no longer had the triple crown. So they needed another race to give double points to. So it just made sense to make it the finale. Because you've got to remember, previously we had, in, well, in 2014, we had the triple crown. The, the free 500 yes. races all give double points yeah see that makes sense because hey those are 500 mile events they are much longer than any other event mm-hmm. um, this is a good segue to the second part of our mailbag uh, friend of the show and former guest and Canadian karting legend Charles Reginball asked if anyone were to pull off a Kimi Raikkonen in 07 at Sonoma who would you place your bets on I put my money on Elio Castro. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. Elio Castro Neves. He's my he's my dark horse to win this thing. It would make sense. After all, this is his twentieth and probably his last chance to win a championship before he goes on to put Penske Acura on his back in IMSA. Whoa, whoa, wait! It might not be him on his. Back. It might not be be only him. It might be one other driver who is also under a Honda contract and needs some place. Well, he wants to drive someplace. He could just, you know, just run off into the distance or swim or bike off into the distance. <laughs> that would be one Jensen Lyons Alexander Button. Yes. <laughs> hmm. 
Mm, goodness. Um, yeah, this could be a this could be a really fun one. As I mentioned, like it's it's close in the championship with just twenty two points separating the top three, top four separated by just thirty six points. We really did we really need double points for this? Not really. Will we no. still get an entertaining main event? Uh yeah, we 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 will. We will. Yeah. Um also Alexander Rossi won. Alex Rossi won. Hey, remember how I Yes, I am I'm just I'm happy for so many people in life sometimes. I'm never more happy than for whenever Sarah Connor's friend of the show gets to go and party with Alexander Rossi at Watkins Glen. Yes. <laughs> he's been there for both times he's won in IndyCar. This was also or, on the day. Uh, also, according to Elio Castroneves, his first win in IndyCar. <laughs> of course, remember, Alexander Rossi, definitely not dedicated to IndyCar in the long term, only using it to get a backmarker seat further on down the road. Totally. Yeah. Ma- Manor's going to call him eventually. He's going to get that Manor ride in F1. Mama called. <laughs> Mama called, and when Mama answers, you take that manor drive. This was probably Alexander Rossi's comprehensively his best race that he's ever run as an IndyCar driver, and he's only going to get better. And he's on a three-year long-term deal. He's set up to be Andretti Autosports man of the future. Sorry, Ryan hunter Ray. Ryan hunter Ray, who finished a respectable third behind Scott Nitson, who made it close at the end. Scott yes. Nitson, by the way, pretty much just owns this piece of real estate in the Finger Lakes here. Buddy, he's good. Yeah, like he's just so damn perfect. <laughs> it doesn't matter where he starts, he's gonna put himself into contention. Elio Castroneves finished fourth after leading like that first handful of laps after Rossi kind of almost lost it in the wet patch. Um, <laughs> yeah, fourth place is still good enough to keep his hopes alive. Graham Rahal just falling out of contention with a fifth place finish, but hey, at least he didn't get taken out by Charlie Kimball again. Speaking of which, Will Power finish sets. Again, very lucky he didn't get taken out by Charlie Kimball again. (laughs) Speaking of Charlie Kimball, Charlie Kimball finished seventh in this race, and friend of the show Danny Brennan still wants us to knock him down a peg for hitting, clipping one of Dale Quinn Racing's tires in the pits. Charlie Kimball can get no love in this town. No. Charlie Kimball's going to have to win a race to get love in this town. <laughs> no, he's going to have to go on a winning streak because one, <laughs> winning wins, just, streak. one wins just a fluke. <laughs> I mean, Carlos Huertas can win a race. Oh, God. <laughs> Charlie's already won a race. Matt. Can I just add? No, no. Yeah. He's going to have to win again. And again. And again. Matt Shelton finished eighth. This is... I want to say that's his best road course result in IndyCar. Mm, no, he finished seventh at Indianapolis. What, at the, Ooh, the road track there. At the road course at Indy. Shoot, yeah, that's right. God, remember when Matt Shilton nearly won the Indianapolis 500? That was a good time. Simon Pagano finished ninth. And Carlos Munoz, sorry, <clears throat> Distinguished guest of the Motorsport 101 podcast, Carlos Munoz finished 10th place ahead of Connor Dabley. AJ Foyt Racing are mid-tier. Mid-tier. Yeah, it took the entire season to figure out the Chevrolet package. It took the entire season and their shop in Houston getting flooded. 
for them to be competitive. Can we also add that they did organize a campaign, the, the drive for Houston? Yes, yes. We should talk a little bit more about this, obviously, if we have any listeners in the Houston area. Obviously, thoughts with you. Please be safe. Um, please help others to safety. Do the right things for others and, you know, all that good stuff. Stay strong, y'all. You can make it. And if you would like to know a little bit more about the Race for Houston campaign, um, you can purchase the official Race for Houston t-shirts from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway shop. It's a it's a nice looking shirt, um, and all net proceeds will go towards the Hurricane Harvey Relief Fund through the Greater Houston Community Foundation, which is awesome. Give to your local organizations. They'll, they'll help you out a lot more in times of crisis. We know this from experience. Um, just finishing up the results here, Spencer Pickett in 12th. Ed Jones ahead of <clears throat> Distinguished Motorsport 101 guest Jack Harvey in his very first IndyCar proper road race, finishing a pretty productive 14th. Ahead of J.R. Hildebrand, Marco Andretti, Sebastian Bourdais, <coughs> Joseph Newgarden. Oh boy. Oh, now we're just into the dregs again. How did Takuma Sato end up checking the checkered flag? That's what I want to know. I swear he broke down like. I want to yeah. say, what, like 30 times? Yeah, his car broke down twice and restarted both times. Um, he doesn't give up. I forgot how, <laughs> I, I forgot how Tony Kanan retired from this race. I think he got parked again. Oh, because he also went into the Armco behind them. Oh, no. <sighs> Tony. And James Hinchcliffe dropped out after five laps. Sadness. Yes, the... Honda the one sadness. time we had a driver other than Graham Rahal with a helmet cam. <laughs> Graham Rahal was not going to have his helmet cam, <laughs> cam footage challenged. Yep, they're like, we finally expanded our inventory to two helmet cams today, guys. It's going to be a spectacular day for MVC Sports. Then well, <laughs> we lost the helmet cam. Did you, did you catch the, the clip from practice where... Um, James got rather annoyed being trapped behind Chilton. <laughs> and no. a rare red Canadian bird was spewed. <laughs> a rare red Canadian Hashtag red fingers rule. <laughs> <laughs> so entering the final round of the season, going into the to the GoPro Indie Grand Prix of Sonoma, we have the points as follows. Joseph Newgarden still leads, but now with 560 points. Scott Ditson has 557. Elio has a cool 538. Simon Pagano has a cool 526. And Will Power has the absolute long shot of all long shots at 492. With Alexander Rossi on down, officially mathematically eliminated from championship contention. Because that's how IndyCar points work. Yay. I want to transition to one more question before we go on to the rest of the news here. Since the IndyCar season is almost over, what were your top favorite liveries of 2017? This from the doctor at DRB underscore 097. Okay, favorite liveries, obviously, Harvey's SMP, SMP Motorsport, Magenta and Black. It was I definitely... Was... Yeah, I was really fond of Alotion's start of season livery, the chrome red and black. That was a very good look. Alonso's orange. 
Oh, man, that was so beautiful. It's like they actually got the essence of what classic McLaren racing colors should be. It's almost like they tried. It's almost like they tried and wasn't going for Because I did not know this until recently, but they're like, uh, the classic McLaren orange and the new McLaren orange are two different colors because, yeah, for some reason they decided to make um, like the, the McLaren automotive orange, the one that they use for all their current sports cars, a different orange than the old one. I know it's not really a new livery, but... Alexander Rossi's Napa colors mm-hmm. so never gets good. old. Yeah, never can, gets old. Can we just possibly make a rule that we only allowed a maximum of four cars to be blue and white? <laughs> yes, the uh, the the Zeno rule, as we like to call it. Because let's see, we Result. we've got um, Scott and Tony. You've got Max in a sort of dark blue and white. You've got Marco in his. Mm. And who else? We had Sato at some points. We had Graham at some points. Both the AJ Foyt cars, if you want to get technical. Yeah. Uh, at, at some points, uh, both Dale Coin cars. Um, God, I want to say that all the Penske cars had some variation of blue and white at some point. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Even Ed Carpenter wasn't alone, y'all. Yeah. Um, let me look back at my uh, at my poster board here, y'all. Zach Veach is uh, is a uh, number forty car for the five hundred. That was flames. Simone Pagano's bright yellow Menards card. <laughs> yeah, the oh, Menards highlighter. <laughs> the Menards highlighter. Actually, never we had Spencer it's... Pickett's car sponsored by Loki the dog, the wolf dog. Oh yes, <laughs> I completely almost forgot. A very good car. <laughs> That's a good car. Thirteen out of ten car would finish top ten again. Can I just say, all uh, personal like day job biases aside, I'm getting kind of sick and tired of those silver and white Verizon colored cars. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you're not saying that because they're they are currently a competitor of your current employer. Mm, no, definitely not. Definitely not at all. Honestly, though, I'll take it. It's fine. They're doing five G. I think that might come. Yeah, yeah. So, so are our guys, y'all. Um, my dudes. Um, that might cover it as far as like the IndyCar Grand Prix of the Glen. Final, final tally. Um, it, it was good. It was, it was pretty good. Yeah, it 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 was it was decent. I would probably say seven and a half, maybe eight out of ten. Like give give it a solid second. It was definitely miles and miles better than Monza. To be fair, it wouldn't be hard to challenge Monza. That is also true. I mean, I'm actually right. trying to think of a properly dull race this season for IndyCar. Hmm. We'll get to that. First, let's get to the news.
dire times in the relationship between McLaren and Honda. Things are looking catastrophic and divorce seems imminent. According to certain news outlets, this may be decided by the time we get uh, with this podcast actually comes out. Um, how bad is it looking between McLaren and Honda King? Um, uh, it is looking seriously on the ropes. They, I, like we we've gone to the point where we've gone through all the stages of this. Both of them have been trying to find other people. They've they've made it public that they've been trying to find other people. Yet, their their friends have been trying to you know like no you guys are good together. You guys can definitely you know get through this and fix things. You know y'all they need some better wing. There need some better wing people. Honestly. Yeah, Chase Carey, you're not getting the job done. John Todd, I don't know what you're doing. In case y'all are wondering, um, the latest from Reuters and veteran writer Alan Baldwin says that McLaren's unhappy partnership with Honda appeared to be heading for divorce on Sunday after an Italian Grand Prix of hefty grip penalties, poor performance, and no points for the former champions. Um, basically, it's looking like McLaren is going to do a swap with Scuderia Toro Rosso. Toro Rosso gets the Honda engines, and McLaren joins up with Renault, and Fernando Alonso will probably stay. Maybe. Maybe. Just come to IndyCar, my yeah. dude. We'll have a lot yes. more fun. And you'll get to do come to, You can do two come to, come to Birmingham again. <laughs> where, like, it's it's been pretty much publicly known where Fernando Alonso has said that it's either me or Honda. And even Zach Brown said it's very likely... Alonzo will stay with the team if McLaren switches to Renault. So if this divorce goes through, Zoli, is this the most disappointing alliance of constructor and engine manufacturer in modern Formula One history? Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything more disappointing. I mean, there have been some bad Honda teams, but remember, the expectation... For this was we're, we're bringing back the 80s yeah. we're bringing back the glory years of senna and prize oh i still remember that first press release i even mentioned it on this episode where they where me and dre instantly shot down that it is definitely not going to be the second coming of pros senna where they compared button alonzo to pros senna yeah there was no margin of error for this it was either going to be really awesome or it was going to be a dumpster fire will we be right and will they have uh will this move have been made find out on the next episode well you'll probably know by the time you listen to this yes i i think we could go through the pros and cons of both the situations whether rent whether they choose reno or honda pros um they uh the they get to make up for the time that Mugen Honda backed out of their engine deal with Minardi back in 1995 to go join up with Flavia Briatore and Lige. Uh, cons. Toro Rosso's uh, wonderful James Key designed engine is uh, still stuck with a Honda engine. Pros. Fernando Alonso does not have to drive with a Honda powered F1 car. Cons. Carlos Sainz probably does. <laughs> oh my god. Cause, uh, Fernando's face in F1. <laughs> Pros. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, Pierre Gasly gets some continuity? Though, uh, it's most likely, like, this 
Tar Russo thing has already been shot down where Mc, like McLaren in this situation McLaren would supply transmissions to Tar Russo and McLaren has already said that Tar Russo said that we won't be used, needing your transmissions next year so it's mo- most likely if McLaren if if Honda does not stay with McLaren Honda will be out of Formula 1 mm. They just started it, it looks off so bad good. and just, they came in right as limiting testing and that, so they had no chance of catching up and that was them. It was that kind of a, they kind of knew that they were never, they might have, maybe a miracle would happen and they'd maybe catch up or at least get, they're, they're, get to that's the, midpoint at least, but they never did. That, that's yeah. one. That's the one thing about engineering. Miracles never happen. Mm. Convention will always win because because uh, creativity is dumb. Yes. Speaking of convention, um, we have sponsorship announcements. Ferrari just uh, renewed their deal with Philip Morris International. And you wonder why this sport is stuck. feels like it's stuck in the 70s and 80s. Because they just can't let go of those damn death throws. J- just... Yes, because... It is far too profitable for Marlboro to end their deal with Ferrari. They can't afford to end the deal because it makes them too much money. And remember, since they can't advertise themselves, they just rent all the real estate on the car. Oh no, they they are they're not allowed to advertise in the West, in Europe and the Americas. It's illegal, but they could still uh they could still use Ferrari the Ferrari brand and their drivers to advertise in developing countries like large it's largely Southeast Asia. You know, all the countries that hardline F one fans don't want us to go to, but they also want us to have a tobacco sponsorship back <laughs> with the time with the NFL and like every major soccer league doesn't need it. Mm. But tradition Yes. The past is always just awful. Wait. One year we're going to have a team that is sponsored by one of these vape companies. Oh no, that's even worse. <laughs> I don't want that crowd enough one. Nope. It's the old real crowd is already insufferable. Now just imagine them, but like 20 years younger and with worse facial hair and hygiene habits. <sighs> they already have enough of me to go around. Um, we have IndyCar Silly Season, uh, stuff, do we not? Yes, we have a ton of IndyCar Silly Season stuff, like, back up the dump truck, because we got news, fellas. This, um, I'm going to transition to another question out of the mailbag. Um, Marcus Hoare, uh, asks, will we see Brendan Hartley or Felix Rosenquist full-time in IndyCar that season? We've discussed the possibility of Felix Rosenquist because of his times with Chip Ganassi, but what you may not know is that Brendan Hartley might be on the market. Of course, Brendan Hartley won the 24 Hours of Le Mans just recently with Porsche, but will now be a free agent when Porsche's LMP1 program winds on down. And who do we know that happens to like Le Mans and that as well? Yes. And likes winners? <laughs> as he frequently likes to tweet? With a hashtag? Chip Ganassi. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is one Chip Ganassi, but to just to preamble the story a bit, where 
it's most likely Chip is sweeping the decks. Well, of most of the drivers he can get rid of. Well, it's he wants to build a team around Scott Dixon, and if you clearly look at the championship title picture, it is Penske, Scott Dixon, and that's it. I mean, let's be honest here. The, the only time the team hasn't been, like, Scott in the lead was when Dario was there. I... Yeah, because he had a solid number. He had a, like a solid someone you... that was comparable with Scott <laughs> Dixon. And then you could probably go back to like the years of Vassar, Zanardi, and Montoya as like another benchmark at the time where they had two legitimate number one drivers. Um, but ever since 2003, the team's been built around Scott Dixon, and it wouldn't surprise me if they if they did take a flyer on two very unproven but you know when you look at brendan hartley you look at his cv like you look back and you think how did this guy not get a drive in formula one he's a former red bull development driver he's close to mark weber um you know he's been he's won races in single seaters and he is just a monster in an lmp1 car at lamar and he's still under 30 hmm. yeah like it this should be no- perfect it should be noted the the empty seats that would be filling apparently Max Shilton and Tony Kanaan will not be at the team next year. Uh, they want to retain Charlie Kimball, but it's looking like Kimball can't get the funding, like the amount of funding they want for him to stay at Chip Ganassi. So right now it's looking like they're going to be a three or four car outlet uh, outfit with the only driver confirmed for next year being Scott Dixon. Hmm. This could be very intriguing, and of course, uh, Andretti Autosport. Uh, things are things are changing. Of course, Takuma Sato's off the market uh, with Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing. Alexander Rossi got re-signed. Marco Andretti's likely to come back. Can we can we just um, appreciate how they announced that they were sticking with Honda? That was great. I mentioned course, on Twitter that. It was like, it was like Michael Andretti was a high school student, like committing to which college he was going to. And for 2018, we are powered by Jarasta Farai. It's, it's the thing is, I could picture like you, you see the end, like the house Mark loves him is the one that Michael built, and you could just picture him having that many packs of dominoes to do these sort of trains round the house. And him just phoning Marco and going, do you still have the boxes of dominoes? Bring them to the shop. What's their domino budget? <laughs> What's their domino budget <laughs> for 2017? And, and oh my god, the conspiracy theories surrounding this video. TK's coming home. We got a Kanan bobblehead. Mama called. Did you see the Kanan bobblehead? I saw Michael. The bobblehead oh, that goes you just got. You just got... You just gotta look at the triangles. You gotta look at the triangles. It's it's the Illuminati, Zoe. (laughs) It's the Illuminati and the fake news media. I think people forget that Michael and TK both were sponsored by 7-Eleven. Yeah. And I mean, surely the fact that the bobblehead had both facial hair and hair on its head... Now, nah, now, nah, people want to believe. People want to believe. It's like, is this the IndyCar version of that dress? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. 
god um what else happened racing this weekend oh um, we forgot about the third leg of the uh, the day of summer classics darlington <laughs> darling the southern 500 oh my goodness y'all i listen even if there is a point in time where this gimmick jumps the shark i love all the retro styled liveries that they bust out for this race um best in show went to danica patrick's tribute to dale jarrett's 1999 championship winning ford taurus and it's just oh it looks so good they had a couple of different like dale Earnhardt mid 80s era cars it was meant to be a throwback to the mid 80s although uh there were quite a lot that were not from that time period for yeah. somewhat obvious I think, reasons. I think that's how they're going to be able to just run this forever because each each year they decide on a different decade. Some teams decide to go with it, some teams choose not to, and this year was the 1980s. Y'all, I can't wait for early 2000s throwback week. <laughs> early 2000s? The other thing was, did you see how Penske were posting all the videos on Instagram related to the NASCAR race? Yes. Oh my goodness, y'all. And it was funny because we actually had some IndyCar because Joey Logano busted out a Jimmy Vassar throwback. <laughs> yes, and I'm like, what? And Black, Brad Keselowski had the uh, the old midnight Ford Thunderbird driven by Rusty Wallace back in the day. And uh, MVP was Ryan Blaney's mullet yeah. and mustache combo. <laughs> <laughs> that was dedication. And quite impressive because he has a very baby face. He was working on that thing for for months, y'all. Are you sure he did just like yeah. trim his hair a wee bit and just stick it all on? God, I don't even want to think about it. Um, oh goodness. Um, we had a uh, we had some very good banter in this race. This is one of my favorites from a uh, from at NASFacts on Twitter. Who could forget one of the all-time classic moments of NASCAR and throwback weekend? Ken Squire explaining the excitement of NASCAR stage racing. Oh, my God. Like, I could see, like, they, like, him and Ned Jarrett, they generally found it to be exciting. Like, it wasn't like some, like, oh, they're only doing this because, like, someone's telling them to. Like, they genuinely, they're like, we get three finishes in one race, guys. In fairness, yeah, it's it's kind of doing its job of breaking up the monotony of what's like, honest to God, like super damn long endurance races. Yeah, you drive like eight hundred kilometers, my dudes. Yeah, like Ken Squire, he mentioned like normally on lap one hundred, no one would care that it's lap one hundred. Now we actually get a photo finish. Martin Truex won the first two stages, and Denny Hamlin actually won the race. We had an actual throwback car win the actual race. <laughs> It was a throwback to a non-NASCAR racer, but who cares? It was cool looking. <laughs> one day, one day we'll get a proper NASCAR Cup Series throwback car that actually wins the race. Until then, one this day. is fine too. One day. Let's go to WEC. Um, some stuff happened in the World Endurance Championship recently. I don't know if you know this. Um, Audi quit. Porsche quit. Everything's looking bad. Uh, so on September the first, they announced the super schedule. Oh my the god! Super schedule. <sighs> I, I I do we do we? I'm gonna I'm gonna run down the super season. The... Let me let let us do this together. 
We start okay. with the prologue on April 5th, 2018 of Paul Ricard. Then we go to the sit hours of Spa on May 4th. You may notice we might have skipped something. No, we didn't. Silverstone's <laughs> off the calendar. We go to Lama on June 17th. Then the Fuji 1,000 kilometers uh, and the sit hours of Shanghai. And then... We, wait, fifth- we, go back, go back. You should know, You should mention that 24-hour Le Mans is the weekend of June 16th and 17th. When is the six hours of, Su- of Fuji? Um, it's on October 13th and 14th. How long uh, is that gap? Uh, that is, that's four months. <laughs> yeah, I think we also noticed here, there's no Nürburgring round. So you've just, so at two thirds, is that, so just cut off half the European legs. Okay. Um, they also yeah. dropped um, that, uh, you know, Lone Star Le Mans in Austin. Hold up, hold up, hold up. We'll get to that because <laughs> in February 2019, we have a round at two, to be confirmed. <laughs> to the, be confirmed. It's the Dale Coin Grand Prix. <laughs> Can that just be hailed oh, as the Coin, like, team garage? <laughs> We could we could have it like somewhere in Chicago Land, like at Chicago Land Raceway. They've they've got an infield road course, right? It's FIA yeah. Grade One compatible, right? <laughs> oh, but here's the best part: we are still having an American round. It's the twelve hours of Sebring. Yes. On the on the fifteenth and sixteenth of March. Yes. Uh, coincidentally, coincidentally, we should, we should, we should in- mention that we're not saying. March 26, like March 2018. This is March 2019 we're talking about. Yes, we are already into 2019. This schedule has now taken the the length of over 14 months span. Uh, also, this is the best part. There's two 12-hour races to Sebring now. Doing it like they did at the Brooklyn's double 12, y'all. <laughs> And then we have the six hours of spot Franker shop again. But we should we should also mention like the weird timing format of this second of the WEC twelve hours, where it starts two hours after the IMSA race at mid <laughs> at midnight. The race starts at midnight and ends at noon. <laughs> Nobody will be awake for this. Oh my god. And then we finish it off at Lamar. We finish with the uh with the biggest race on the calendar. King, you have very strong feelings about this subject. Yes. Cause I have traumatic, traumatic flashbacks to the early days of the IRL. Where the goal was to end their season at the Indianapolis five hundred. They did it for a half season in nineteen ninety six. And in 96-97, they just decided, (laughs) fuck it. Fuck it, we're going to keep going. No one can. Zoe, I want to ask. I may be throwing you out of your comfort zone because I don't know if endurance racing is necessarily your thing, but but I kind of like it so much. It's it's more for the experience of being there rather than just like the thrill being locked in for six straight hours. I I Um, must confess, the only times I kind of follow it is the Daytona twenty four hours, (laughs) the Le Mans twenty four hours, and Sebring twelve hours. That's the only time I kind of keep track of it, and that's because there's IndyCar drivers generally involved in them. You know what? That's an that's entirely reasonable. Um, yeah, so that, that yeah. is that is extremely reasonable. 
IMSA's got a good product nowadays. In fact, uh, latest reports coming from John Degas of Motorsport of uh, Sports Car 365 uh, that um, the ACO realizes they kind of messed up and they maybe want to work on getting a common platform of LMP1 and IMSA's new DPI platform for 2020. So, so you're telling put- me that a grand slam will be possible that you could do the that you could do the 24 hours of daytona the 12 hours of sebring the 24 hours of le mans and petite le mans um i mean look um for those of you who haven't like followed endurance racing it's been kind of a mess because we've kind of realized yeah the the lmp1 hybrid bubble as spectacular as it was kind of like group c the bubble burst and uh, it burst spectacularly, and now it's left um, it's left Naduris Racing to kind of pick up the pieces on the global stage. IMS is doing fine because DPI is a cheap, uh, it's a comparatively cheap, and it's a platform that manufacturers actually want to get into. Um, and that's kind of just made the ACO's decision not to let DPI raise Lama look even dumber. Yes. Uh, so now you have the uh, the possibility where the WEC doesn't even know what its premier class is going to be because the manufacturers are all in GT Pro, but LMP2 is much faster. Yeah, I and like partially back to the super season idea. Part of the reason, like I'm pretty sure, part of the reason to have the super season is if you. If you commit to the 20, if you commit to, you know, the 2018, 24 hours of Le Mans, in theory, you would have to commit to the next, the next Le Mans as well, which would cover the gap until the new LMP1 package comes into effect for 2020. Yeah, um, this also has ramifications because Toyota is the last manufacturer standing, um, and they're not even sure they're coming back for 2018. Yeah, so which you know, imagine um, the the emotional letdown it would be that we've been through the ringer of Toyota coming up so short so many times, and then just being like, "Fuck it." <laughs> yeah, like, like pretty much, uh, the ACO put a gun to Toyota's head and says, "It's either you drop out or you can commit to the next two <laughs> in a platform that may not even be viable anymore." <sighs> Just watch IMSA instead. Just yeah. watch Super GT instead. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy a better product. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they already released their calendar for the next twelve months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's not a sil- it's not a super season. <laughs> like, uh, let's see their schedule. Looking for next year, they'll be doing. Obviously, starting their season off at the 24 hours of Daytona, then the 12 hours of Sebring, the one that starts at 10 a.m. and ends at 10 p.m. Uh, it's, the- a, it's a 12-hour race <laughs> at an airport at a former airfield in Sebring. Yes. Oh no, no. This is it is the Mobile One 12 hours of Sebring, fueled by fresh from Florida. Ooh, yes, fresh from that- Florida. Then again, they'll be heading to Long Beach for the Bubba Burger Grand Prix <laughs> at Long Beach. <laughs> it's it's the best race that is named after frozen foods. 
Like, the only major change is that they're dropping Austin, that they won't be going to the Circuit of the Americas. Oh, man, they're just they're just cutting out, uh, they're just cutting out, uh, Austin, Circuit of the Americas entirely? Yeah, they're going. Ohio? Yeah, yeah. God, poor Coda. Coda deserves better. Yeah, like, Coda's race calendar is looking pretty slim. Mmm. Coda, why? Also, come back to Mid Ohio. Uh, excuse me, come back to Barber, please. Like, I heard that M said they're trying to get other races together for future years. Like, depending on what the LMP1 thing is, they're, they're hoping to get uh, Coda back eventually and maybe get a race at the road course at, at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Mm. Yeah. Um, still. DPI is looking viable. Um, Very viable. Very viable. Teams are moving up. Um, They're trimming the fat. Prototype challenge is going away, but you got three healthy classes. Just just watch IMSA. (laughs) I mean, prototype challenge is moving away, but it's kind of like all those teams are going to LMP3 and moving to the Continental Tire Series, which is kind of like their second division in IMSA. Yeah, that's that's also pretty fun. Um, what else do we have to talk about? I want to dip into the mailbag for another question here. Okay. From uh, let's uh let's go back to the doctor at Doctor B zero nine seven. If you had your own network to cover F one, who would be your lead announcer, pundit, and pit reporter, and what song would you use for the intro? Um, can we just put Davide Valsecchi on the table right yeah. immediately because I know he's going to come <laughs> up as he should. <laughs> Because he has 50 gallons of enthusiasm in a five-gallon jar. Can I just add for song, like, instead of the chain, ACDC's TNT. Think of the intro to it. (laughs) That or or Thunderstruck. Oh, my God. I, I, I know. I just... I can't listen to Brian Johnson sing without hearing him backed up by Vanessa Carlton's A Thousand Miles. <laughs> well. Yes, it's a mashup. Um, I'm, I'm going to post it in the chat here for you. I'm going to post it in the Discord chat, and I'll just wait for Zoe's reaction here. Um, I would, uh, you know what? Honestly, I would go with, I'd go with Butston for, uh, for for pit reporter, he's so good at it. Lee McKenzie like, as well, though. Lee, I do like Lee. Yeah, I like if I had to pick Buxton, I'd probably have him in the booth with Valsecchi. Sam Collins as a pit reporter, as a technical analyst, yes, just absolutely perfect. Knows what he's doing and has a lot of fun doing his job. Actually, Lee as like the the lead, like the the host, who's yes. Because there's, there's no reason that the pit reporter and, like, the main host can't be the uh-huh. same person. Because pretty much, once the race broadcast starts, you never hear from Simon Lazenby again. Uh-huh. But also, um, when Channel 4 is showing the races live, it's her that's generally covering practice. So as she covers practice, and sometimes she'll cover um, qualifying as well. So she will. And she's always really good. Like, as much as I like Steve for his entire enthusiasm and 
generally being like excited when he has a driver that's the same height as him. <laughs> <laughs> Townsend Bell would be a good shout, as would Marty Smith for a pit reporter. Marty Smith, by the way, is very enjoyable on his college football coverage more yes. so than he was as a NASCAR reporter, which is weird considering that college football was the thing that he did when ESPN just happened to lose the rights to NASCAR. If he just brought that enthusiasm to, like, Formula One or IndyCar on a full-time basis, that's, like, ratings gold. <laughs> Unless it would be funny um, to imagine Paul Tracy covering... <laughs> <laughs> with the salt. Can we just have Paul Tracy cover one F1 race? Like, just for the sheer hell of it. <laughs> Form, former Benetton test driver, Paul Tracy. <laughs> we had a very slow kind of news day. I think we might be close to wrapping this up here now, soon. Well, something... there, are, there are other things that happened that... Oh, what else has happened? Well... You forget to mention that the FIA Formula 2 World Champ... Well, just championship. Unveiled their car for next season. Oh, yes! Dog, it looks gorgeous. Like, this is a car that I think is enhanced by the look of the halo being attached to it. Yep, that's a, that's a thing that happened. And, you know, I think they designed it with the halo in mind. It looks yeah. good in carbon fiber. Charles Leclerc has already said that he doesn't want to drive it. Because, you know, no, he well, he said it. he said he would he would love to drive it, but that would mean he would have to spend another year in Formula Two, which you know, fair. Um, it's been overdue that Formula Two has gotten a new car because they were supposed to get one in 2014. Yes, that's when they were last scheduled to get a new car. And you know, there's always the fear that like, eh, but the racing won't be as good. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. You just, you, you gotta give it a chance we, sometimes. We did also you know, have I, I think... um, Lewis either Snapchat or Insta story in common. Yeah, yeah, it was Snapchat. Yeah, that he didn't like the Halo. Oh. And it's like, it's here. You're going to have to deal with it. Um, That might not even be the most uh, ridiculous Lewis Hamilton related story of the weekend. <laughs> um... So, I I respect the side hustle. Um, he's a he recited a poem about Princess Diana on the twentieth anniversary of Diana's death. Um, it's a uh, it's uh, I'll give the man I'll give Lewis Hamilton his credit. I mean, like it's it's hard to put yourself out there like that in terms of like creativity in such a blasé sport that's all about rigidity and tradition and not being in touch with your creative or sensitive side you know raw masculinity on the other hand it is kind of it is kind of naff it's did he write it i i can't hear it but i don't look further into it did he write it for the 20th anniversary or was it something he'd done at the time because you know you know, I'm not all entirely sure about it. Because when she died, it was a very strange time to be British. Like, everything related back to her. I had homework. God. I was eight. I was seven or eight. No, it was new. It's, it's new. new. Okay. Because I was, like, I was eight. And for homework, I had to write 
a news article, a news story about what happened <laughs> over the weekend. What the? <laughs> Jesus, I would say I wouldn't relate, but then I remember all the kind of stuff that we had to do in middle and elementary school in the post 9-11 world. But the thing is, that was not like 3,000 people died in like a shock terrorist attack. This was one person dying in a car crash. Well, actually, multiple people died in that accident, lest we forget. Yeah. But, right, it was because it was shown on three channels. The funeral was shown on three channels. The BBC, ITV, and either Channel 4 or Channel 5. Well, that's that's not unusual because, like, the same thing happens here in the U.S. anytime there's a state funeral, whether it be for, like, a former president or, you know, a... a a former, you know, prominent politician. Yeah, but it's like, even like, um, what Kate and William's wedding didn't get that many channels. Yes. I mean, we just kind of lost it. <laughs> well, the adults kind of lost I, it, I, and now all the kids were kind of like, what's going on? Why are we all sad? <laughs> but I mean, the one right. thing is, like, the one person who survived that crash, the bodyguard, was the only one wearing a seatbelt out of the three in the back. Yeah. And I got into trouble for writing that in my article. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know, like, <laughs> recent incident, like, a similarity recent incident where you kind of have to ignore some of the surrounding conditions as, uh... Jose Fernandez's tragic accident. Oh. Where it's like, you kind of have to put things into a larger perspective rather than just the accident itself. Goodness. Um, on that particularly shockingly bleak <laughs> note... <laughs> We can't, we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't end it on this note. Yeah, there has to be, there has to be other news. I don't think we could have been any more British. We started with the weather, and we ended the pre- awkwardly <laughs> depressingly. This is the most British episode ever, and Dre isn't here. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course it is, because Dre's just American. <laughs> he'll tell us, he'll tell us himself. Please get well soon, Dre, and put us all back in line. We've all been misbehaving. Um, Dre, uh, King, do you have anything else to add? Anything else to add? Okay, uh, we have some comments about the Super Season announcement by some of the WEC teams. Oh, buddy. Uh, where, uh bunch of people at Rebellion Raisin where uh, David uh, David Heinemeyer Hansen at, at Rebellion Raisin has said, think about it uh, I don't want a race in Bahrain or Mexico, I get to go to Spa twice, Le Mans twice and then do Sebring too <laughs> that's one way of looking at it yeah, it kind of like but that duty-free shopping, though. <laughs> you're, you're really throwing Mexico and, like, Bahrain under the bus. Yeah, but that's fine, because they get to go back to the Gulf for the six hours of Abu Dhabi. 
I will not be surprised if that's the February 2019 event. Yeah. Let me be perfectly clear. Um, Zoe, where can we find your writings about stuff and things mostly IndyCar? The the writings I haven't done since the IndyCar Grand Prix at Indianapolis. (laughs) You poor thing. It's all good stuff. Read read the archives of Twin Checker Flags or Spin. (laughs) I will... I promise I'm going to do an end of the year review. <laughs> y'all, y'all should listen to the Grid Girls podcast because they're going to have Sarah Fisher on it's it. Sarah squared. It's Sarah yes. squared. Sarah reception. Uh, yes. Dun dun dun. So yes, that's that's going to be fun. Also, yeah. to I'm envious of all my friends. Damien. If you happen to be anywhere near the so- Soho Theatre in London on the 11th or 12th of September, Damien will be play- performing there at 9pm each night. <laughs> and also, if you're still able to go to Watkins Glen again this weekend, uh, this weekend is also the United States Vintage Grand Prix. Nice! Definitely go to it! Um, I have little else to plug. Um, you can find my works on the internet. You can find me being a dumb internet, lazy person, whatever. Um, right for daily sports car, right for super GT world. I lose a lot of sleep. (laughs) Japan time is real. (laughs) Japan Uh, time is real. (laughs) So are, so are indie feds out in the sticks in North Georgia. Yeah, but you make up for it by sleeping for F1. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and through work ah <laughs> uh, and on that bombshell I think it's time we call it a night um, again places you can find the Motorsport 101 podcast you can listen to this podcast on SoundCloud and through iTunes by subscribing to the Motorsport 101 podcast where you also get the Bike Live podcast where Dre will be back and he'll also be back for the next episode of Motorsport 101 we are on Facebook. We are on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. We're on primarily on YouTube. And if you'd like to back us financially, uh, lend us your support at patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Every bit you can give absolutely helps the show and helps make this the coolest motorsport podcast on the planet, at least in our opinions. <laughs> you can follow us at Ryan Eric King with two Ks. You can follow us at RJ O'Connell with two N's and two L's. And you can follow us at Zoe Zoe with a lot of ease. <laughs> and until the next episode, I have been RJ O'Connell. They have been Ryan Eric King and Zoe Hamilton. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Motorsport 101 podcast. Later, y'all. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> it came out so perfectly. I don't think we could have sang that any better if we tried. Woo! Need a gutsy! You are the